Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Barnard's on the NBA. I'm your host, Matt Barnard, and I'm joined here by my son and co-host, Emilio. Hey, it's me. It is him. And uh, we're joining you today after uh, a short break to uh, get into a uh, new type of episode. Mills, why don't you uh, explain what we're doing here today? Um, we are going to be doing a Sacramento Kings slash Cincinnati Royals slash Rochester Royals all-time team. Yeah, and uh, Kansas City Omaha Royals as well, right? Yeah. They were that briefly, uh, too. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, the best players uh, from uh, that franchise that has moved around a whole bunch over the uh, the years. Yeah. Uh, but they've been around for quite some time, and they've uh, they had some fantastic players. So we're going to go through and uh, come up with a starting lineup of, uh, of players who played for the franchise, uh, starting at center, followed by power forward, small forward, shooting guard, and point guard. And we'll talk about uh, some other candidates who we considered as well as we get into it. All right, so without uh, without further ado, we might be talking for a little bit here. There's a bunch of uh, bunch of Hall of Famers, a bunch of big-time players. Let's get into it. Who do you have at center, Mills? I have Jerry Lucas. Now, Jerry Lucas. This isn't a guy we've really uh, gotten into on the podcast before. Tell us a little bit about Jerry Lucas. We haven't talked about him since uh, March 30th. Yeah, that was, um, that was a while ago, and... Um... <laughs> It looked Mr. Memory, <laughs> Dr. Memory, the computer, and then a Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, um, um, 73 NBA champ, five-time All-NBA, All-Rookie team, All-Star Game MVP, and Rookie of the Year. I mean, this guy was good. Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm laughing because we can refer our, uh, our listeners to uh, our Ohio State episode in which we discussed Jerry Lucas. Or our uh, March 30th episode, where we discussed Jerry Lucas also in some depth. Uh, this guy was terrific. I mean, you know, we've talked about him a number of times, a Hall of Famer, uh, like several guys on this team. But if we look back at his uh, his work with the uh, with the Royals uh, specifically, uh, played a whole bunch of uh, All Star seasons. With, with I mean, the that was probably where his prime was. Yeah, the best season of his career, uh, where he began his career, as you mentioned. Uh, I usually think of him selection. with the Knicks, but. Yeah, because he won a title with the Knicks uh, down at the end of his career. But uh, as you mentioned, I mean, his, his best seasons in terms of his statistical output, clearly uh, during his time with the Royals. I mean, yeah. uh, six straight All-Star appearances between 1963-64 uh, and 68-69 uh, uh, for these Royals. Pretty nasty. Pretty nasty indeed. And uh, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm a member of that, uh, that memorable uh, Knicks uh, title team back in uh, 1973. He did play there for three seasons. Played there for three seasons, exactly. I mean, and three three pretty pretty full seasons as well. So uh, wrapped up his career at age uh, thirty three, but obviously uh, did more than enough to uh, to get into the uh, Hall of Fame. As we mentioned, uh, also well known for his uh, towering intellect. Yeah, very smart guy, and uh, still alive. Uh, good job by uh, Jerry Lucas. Uh, we updated you on his uh, uh, alive status a uh, short time ago on his eighty uh, first birthday. I just kept and- it up. <laughs> <laughs> he sure has. So well done, Jerry Lucas. Uh, respect, uh, respect to him. Unless he's like dying right now. Well, let's uh, let's certainly hope not. Uh, I I, uh, I had Jerry Lucas as my uh, all time Kings center as well. All right, let's uh, let's keep moving because uh, as I mentioned, we've discussed Jerry Lucas quite a bit in the past, <laughs> and we're continuing to do so right now. Uh, Mills, who do you have at the four? Um, I had Paige Stoyakovich. Okay, let's get into uh, Paige Stoyakovich. Now, this is not a guy we talked about on the podcast previously. Yeah, but he is um he is a guy that's pretty good and uh I mean a three time All Star and uh I mean an NBA champion in two thousand eleven and a um all NBA in two thousand three, two thousand four and I mean 
this guy was nice. I mean, averaging 17 points per game for his career. But um, three-pointers is definitely what stands out when you look at his page. I mean, 40% shooting threes for his career. Absolutely. Just a phenomenal shooter. I mean, a guy whose career I remember quite well uh, made his way to the Kings at uh, age 21, having played uh, a bunch overseas before that, and really put in a lot of work in the NBA. I mean, over 800 regular season games, 804 to be exact. And as you mentioned, just a phenomenal shooter. I mean, a guy who really made his mark in that area. Uh, probably played more more of the three than the four. I know you have him at the four yeah. on this right. team. Yeah, you have him at the three. I do have him at the three. And I mean, I understand you putting him, uh, sliding him up to the four to uh, accommodate some other guys. But, uh, I mean, look at his at his shooting numbers across the board. As you mentioned, a 40% uh, shooter from three, but also almost 90% for his career from the line. I mean, you know, you're getting up to that area pretty serious. That's an 8.5% shooter from there. But um, well, that's fourth all time. So that's pretty good. And free throws? Yeah, free throw percentage. Uh, 22nd all time in uh, three pointers made, as we've mentioned many times on the show. You know, not as much in the way of volume back when uh, Peja played even a decade ago as, uh, as, as there is now, or I guess more than a decade ago now. But um, more like 15 years ago, but I mean, was, was getting up uh, five and a half threes uh, per game uh, for his career. And, um, you know, kind of peaked at, at uh, just below seven a game uh, in, in a season during his career but was always just a major threat out there. And at 6'10", uh, you know, a, a big who could shoot it from the outside, really tough to uh, contest those shots. I mean, one of the reasons I had him at small forward is because he's 6'10", and powerful. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, definitely had a size that can, uh, you know, fit for a power forward. A little bit light, probably, in the shorts for a uh, for a power forward, uh, you know, for, through most of NBA history, but certainly a guy who could play there uh, some of the time now, and and did, I mean, somewhat in, uh, in the NBA. We have him at about... 11% of his minutes at, uh, at the four. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a terrific player and part of some really good Kings teams. For sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, going to the finals or did they go to the finals? No, no but conference, conference finals. finals. Yeah, conference finals. And um, almost won. Yeah, they were. They did. I mean, they they pushed uh, pushed the Lakers uh, pretty hard, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, part of um, some terrific groups with uh, you know Chris Webber, who is going to come up on my list at, at the four uh, momentarily. But uh, the two of them, uh, teammates through uh, some of the Kings' best years, really. Yeah, for sure. I Certainly, mean, the rest in Sacramento. Yeah, probably best uh, players from in Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, really, really ter- terrific. Uh, you know, standouts and uh, Peja, I think you know, also notable for being. Uh, you know, a standout European player. I mean, a guy who came yeah. over in the 96 draft. And, uh, I mean. He's uh, only 43. Maybe he's going to make it back. Yeah. I mean, you never know. Uh, <laughs> always possible. Uh, but 14th overall pick. And he certainly uh, paid that off in a uh, in a huge way for the uh, for the Kings. And then, uh, yeah. you know, further in his career, playing with, uh, with, the, with the Pacers, with the Hornets, and uh, with the Raptors and Mavericks, just uh, all the way down the end. But terrific Hornets career for a bit. from Peja. Yeah, Hornets for a bit, absolutely. And played with uh, with Chris Paul there. And, I mean, those are some decent teams as well. And he contributed in those spots too. I mean, you know, really capable, uh, you know, stretching the floor, uh, you know, through into his 30s. Yeah. So, um, you want to move on to your platform? Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about uh, Chris Weber. Five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, 98-99 rebound champ, 93-94 All-Rookie, and Rookie of the Year. I mean, that's nice. I mean, led the league in rebounding with, like, 13 points, 13 rebounds a game, and he was just, like, loading up on rebounds and points in that part of his career. That was in the uh, 98-99 season with the Kings. Yeah, I mean (laughs) – 27.1 27.1 points per game one season with 11.1 rebounds a game. I mean, that's 
real nice. Yeah, some standout seasons. Uh, four uh, all-star seasons Will, while he was with the Kings. Uh, began his career being drafted famously number one uh, by the Warrior, or excuse me, by the Magic, and then traded uh, to the Warriors on draft night uh, before making his way to the Bullets. Uh, later, the Wizards. Uh, he was there when that transition occurred. Uh, before making his way to the Kings, where he really had the most success of his career and was on those teams with Peja and Mike Baby that we were just referring to moments ago. But I mean, really, I mean, you look at his numbers from uh, from that period of time. A dominating force. I mean, really, an outstanding player. For sure. I mean. You couldn't stop him, I guess. And it builds on, you know, an exemplary uh, college career that got him drafted number one overall at Michigan. Really a, a phenomenal player there. Of course, uh, you know, well known for his uh, having called a timeout when they didn't have one uh, down the end in a championship game. But And they uh, lost. Yeah, they, they lost. I mean, you know, a moment he's been, you know, trying to live down for uh, all these years. But uh, I, I think he, he put up enough of an NBA career, certainly, to uh, make people forget about that uh, one foible of his back at the end of his college career had, had a fantastic NBA run. For sure. 831 regular season games, uh, averaging over 37 minutes per game during that time. And uh, yeah, just a really effective player. I mean, averaging 20.7 uh, points per game for his career. And if you look at his uh, his position on some of the all-time leaderboards, I mean, this guy really, really put, put in some work. I mean, uh, 26 all-time in, in minutes per game, uh, 40th all-time. Yeah, 40th all-time in usage, 23rd in triple doubles, as you said. And uh, just really, you know, featuring in the, uh, you know, kind of 40 to, uh, you know, 70 or 80 range in, in a whole bunch of different statistical categories. If you scroll down on his uh, basketball reference page, shout out basketball reference, we couldn't do it without you. Uh, and he's 99th in points. 99th in points, 99th in steals. But, I mean, really, if you look. That's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, 61st in blocks. I mean, you look, look up and down the. Uh, the statistical categories he features in a lot of them because the guy really did play a lot of volume. I know we've seen players who have played quite a few more games than 831 regular season ones in their career, but uh, Chris Weber was really racking up the numbers while he was out there. For sure. And uh, got to mention, uh, you know, Detroit guy, a Michigan guy, and uh, you know, finally made it back to uh, to the Pistons at the end of his uh, career and wore uh, the very cool number of uh, 84. For sure, very cool. Now, uh, it says on his basketball reference page, and I, I did recall this, that his nicknames are uh, C-Webb and uh, The Truth. Now, do you think uh, he and Paul Pierce ever uh, get into it about whose uh, nickname is actually The Truth? Because uh, I feel like both of them claim that one. Well, Paul Pierce doesn't actually tell the truth because he pooped in his pants. Oh, boy. Okay. I don't, I don't <laughs> know what that's, uh, what that's all about. Let's, uh, <laughs> l- l- let's keep it moving here before we uh, uh, devolve too much into uh, bathroom humor. Uh, Mills, let's talk about who you had at your... Mitch Richmond. Yeah, let's talk Mitch Richmond. He uh, he featured in, on my on my team as well. Uh, he was at my uh, my two spot. Let's talk a little bit about what you got out of uh, Mitch Richmond. Six time All Star, five time All NBA, All Star Game MVP, two NBA champ, All Rookie Team, and Rookie of the Year. I mean, he's six five, so I think he could probably be in this small forward spot. And he just like filled it up in his career. Yeah, terrific career for uh, for Mitch Richmond. Uh, you know, the most uh, most of it with um, with the Kings. Uh, played in a couple other spots as well. Began his career with the Warriors, and uh, made his way to the uh, the Wizards and, and Lakers down the end of his career. But yeah, I mean, his best years, including six All Star seasons with uh, with the Kings. Yeah, and um, I mean that's pretty nice. I mean, six All Star seasons is legit, and uh, I mean. You know, he, I mean, he well, deserves it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, All-Star Game MVP back in uh, 94, 95, as I think you mentioned, 
and uh, really just a, an incredibly consistent performer. I, I think where uh, people um, kind of uh, take, uh, take take a little bit away from uh, Mitch Richmond is that he didn't play on uh, on, on a whole lot of uh, teams that went deep into the playoffs. I mean, notably for a guy who played as long as he did, only 23 playoff games in his entire career. But he did win a title. He did win a title as, as a very, very limited contributor with the 2001-2002 uh, Lakers. But, uh, yeah, just just four games in the playoffs with the Kings through all those all-star seasons. Pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, uh, he. I guess he. the Kings weren't good enough in those times. It, it's really true. I mean, they're just, just not surrounded with, uh, with enough talent on those teams and really, uh, you know, speaks to – you know, some of the valleys that the uh, Kings uh, franchise has found themselves in uh, through the years. I mean, a lot of uh, playoffless seasons for, uh, for the yeah. Kings in the last, uh, you know, 40 years. Yeah, we will get into um, the franchise, like how they've done later. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Mitch Richmond, uh, just to mention it in terms of his uh, positioning on all-time leaderboards, I mean, this guy averaged 21 points per game for his career over 976 regular season games. And that puts him in a pretty lofty position in a whole bunch of categories. 47th in points. 47th in points, 50th in threes. I mean, again, we're talking about a guy from another era, only took three and a half threes per game, but uh, hit them at a 38.8% clip, so that's pretty nice. And um, actually, uh, you know, 82nd all-time in field goal and three-point field goal percentage as well. So a guy who, who definitely uh, put up the counting stats in his uh, almost 1,000 regular season games uh, through age 36 when he retired back in 2001, 2002. Should have tried to get to a thousand, I think. Yeah, I mean, why not? But uh, you know, it and was it was good enough to make the Hall of Fame, so you got to yeah. give him credit. I mean, almost all the players that we've talked about, Tate Sir, Tate Stoyakovich, and Chris Webber have been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, actually, I wanted to say about Chris Webber. Do you think he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, I kind of think so too. He might get in. Yeah, I think he's got a chance as well. Uh, absolutely. I mean, to factor in his college career, I mean, obviously, a very notable collegiate. Uh, you think about his, uh, his his work on the broadcasting side, now a pretty prominent broadcaster as well. Uh, certainly keeps him in the public eye. He could get that in there at some point. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, so I, I had Mitch Richmond at the uh, at the two. Let's talk about who you had the, at the two. Wait, you got to tell them who you had the three. Uh, yeah, I had uh, at the three. Um, uh, Pages Stackers. I thought we yeah. went over that. I I had Jack Twyman at the three, but I am uh, at the two. But I am very mad. Because I, you, did not have Jack Twyman on your team. And I am mad about that. Well, that is unacceptable. I, I gave serious consideration to Jack Twyman, and I got a lot of respect for him. I mean, he's, like, you know, in my seriously considered list. All right, so let's, well, let's talk about Jack Twyman. Let's give, let's give this guy some props. Now, you can also, you know, check him out on our Cincinnati episode. But please, let's get into it. I mean, Hall of Famer six time, also two-time All-NBA. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame, Daddy. <laughs> so um, he 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 um he had thirty one point two points per game for uh, in one in his best season. I mean that's nice. That's what you should have on your team. And I mean nineteen point two points per game for his career. I mean he might not have played long enough. He retired when he was thirty one, but like I mean he played eight hundred twenty three regular season games. And I mean. Had the most games in his um, in the league a lot of seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Really racked up the games while he uh, did play during those seasons. Uh, as you mentioned, tied for the league lead in games played and played his entire career with this franchise that we're talking about right here with the Rochester uh, Royals and, and Cincinnati as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, great player. I mean, 30, 31.2 points per game in any season, wherever you are. I mean, that's uh, that's pretty darn good from, uh, from Jack Twyman. 
Um, yeah, had, had a terrific career. I mean, a six-time All-Star, as you said. You I mean, probably should put him on your team. Yeah, I probably should put him on my team. Actually, <laughs> inducted in, in, I, I seriously thought about it. It was really him or Chris Weber. And uh, look, Jack Twyman did more on for this franchise than Chris Weber did. I, I certainly acknowledge that. Jack Twyman just not as good of a positional fit, I would say, on, on this squad because it required you bumping Peja up to the four. Uh, you know, I just just like the feel of it a little bit better. But Jack Twyman definitely worthy of consideration, and uh, a famed for a uh, famed personality off the court as well for his uh, his relationship with uh, Maurice Stokes as well. I mean, I know yeah. we're talking about him a little bit, and this will be a perfect time to uh, kind of work him into the conversation as well. Because I don't think he made either of our teams, but uh, what a notable career! Yeah, I mean, and story. I mean, I mean seven. <laughs> Man, I mean, 17.3 rebounds a game, 16.4 points per game for his career. I mean, only played three seasons, but is still in the Hall of Fame because he was so good during those seasons. I mean, he suffered, like, an illness and, like, got, like, paralyzed and stuff. Yeah, had a really tragic scenario uh, occur when uh, he was on a uh... – uh, had a head injury in a uh, in a game and returned to the game. Of course, they didn't know nearly as much about head injuries uh, when this took place uh, in uh, 1958. This was the last game of the season. Uh, suffered a head injury and flew shortly thereafter and uh, had uh, had a seizure on the flight and was left uh, permanently paralyzed. I mean, really a devastating situation. That's at age 24 uh, for uh, Maurice Stokes and uh, famously his uh, teammate, Jack Twyman, who we were just uh, speaking of. Uh, went on to become his uh, legal guardian throughout uh, the last uh, 12 years of his life before uh, Maurice Stokes uh, tragically passed at age 36. He basically was responsible for taking care of him. I mean, uh, Maurice Stokes, you know, was paralyzed. I mean, like, could, you know, yeah. couldn't move and couldn't uh, function and live on his own. So, uh, you know, his uh, his teammate, Jack Twyman, uh, you know, stepped up and uh, made sure he was taken care of, uh, started this uh, charity uh, basketball game, which... Uh, was designed to like raise a bunch of money and uh, awareness for uh, what Maurice Stokes was dealing with. And I know that you know, continued even after his passing in terms of, you know, raising money for people who uh, who were in need of it. So a wild story with uh, Maurice Stokes. I, I, I got to mention before we move on from him, uh, he's in the Hall of Fame, not only because of what he did in the NBA, but because of what he did in, uh, in, in college as well, where he uh, played at um, St. Francis at, at St. Francis in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And I mean, you got to you got to get your ears on uh, some of these numbers. His first season in college, and this is according to Wikipedia, shout he out Wikipedia, really rebounded. 23.1 points per game and 26.5 rebounds per game. This is his first year in college. His second season, 27.1 points per game and 26.2 rebounds per game. I mean, wow. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, talk about having an impact. And then he comes, so you're like, okay, well, he's doing that at St. Francis. Like, you know, surely he's not going to be able to rebound like that in the NBA. He comes into the league his first year, age 22. He's an all-star, and he leads the league in rebounding with 16.3. And then the next two years, it goes up. Yeah. <laughs> it's even more rebounds. I mean, it would have been cool to see him have a full career. I mean, he'd probably be a dominating force in the league. Seriously, I mean, it really, really is tragic in, in so many respects. Uh, you know, the the end of, um, or, I mean, Maurice Stokes' uh, career just cut so short relative to what it might have been. But certainly, a guy we got to mention on this uh, Kings episode did all his work with uh, with this franchise. Yeah. So, um, moving on from that, uh, you want to get to our point guards here? Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, who do you have at the point? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a tough call on this Kings uh, Kings franchise. Yeah, I have um, De'Aaron Fox. So, um, <laughs> I mean. Actually, I have Oscar Robertson. Um, Hall of Famer, 12-time All-Star, 6-time assist champ, um, 91, 97, 91 NBA champ, um, 
71 NBA champ, 11-time <laughs> yeah. All-NBA, three-time All-Star Game MVP, 93-94, no, 63-64 MVP, and 60-61 Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I mean, just a legendary force in the game of basketball. I mean, a man who's had his uh, uh, status as Mr. Triple Double under assault a little bit in recent years uh, with uh, Russ uh, coming through. He's had to average another Triple Double this season. But, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about Oscar Robertson. I mean, this uh, one of one of the greatest uh, players in NBA history, to be sure, and a guy who has some, some just unbelievable stats. Yeah, I mean, 20 – this is career stats – 7.5 rebounds a game, 9.5 assists per game, 25.7 um, points per game. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of stupefying to think someone would be capable of uh, putting up numbers like that. Uh, played over 1,000 NBA games. This is 1,040 NBA games in the regular season. And uh, just, I mean, a, a monumental force. I mean, a guy who uh, attended the University of Cincinnati. You can listen to our Cincinnati episode for more on that, uh, along with the Jack Twyman. So you definitely want to check that one out. Um but, yeah, I mean, just a, a remarkable NBA career. I mean, his uh, statistical accolades uh, speak for themselves. 181 career triple-doubles. Yeah. I mean, eight more in the playoffs, too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just just bonkers numbers from uh, – uh, Scored 56 points in a game. Yep. And, uh, and, Might and, be kind of heartbreaking for you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> 56. <laughs> I should have stopped uh, one earlier. And uh, famously won an NBA title with the uh, with, with the Bucks as well. I know you mentioned that off the top. Yeah. But, uh, that that a, uh, a classic team, him uh, finally teaming up with uh, a player of Kareem's caliber, and uh, and getting it done. I mean, that was uh, one of the one of the great teams of all time, really. I mean, sixty six and sixteen in the regular season and uh, NBA champs just dominated. I mean, lost two games in the playoffs that year. I mean, great, good for them, and um, Larry Castillo. Larry Costello, the coach. Yeah, I mean, you got to mention him when you're talking about uh, Oscar Robertson. Uh, <laughs> now, Oscar Robertson with, with a phenomenal career and, of course, a huge uh, impact off the court, too, in, uh, in helping to uh, reform uh, free agency for uh, players to, that, uh, that followed. So, uh, remarkable impact by Oscar Robertson. And, of course, he's uh, the point guard on, on my squad as well. There's no one else you could even consider uh, when you're talking about. King's franchise point cards. For sure. And um, you want to wrap that up for right now, and uh, we'll take a quick break. Yeah, we'll take a quick break right now, and we'll come back and talk about some other guys we uh, consider. Now we're back to uh, continue our conversation about the uh, best players to play for the uh, King's franchise, King slash Royals, over the years. Uh, let's talk about some guys who didn't make the cut, who we uh, considered here for this squad. Uh, first among them for me is uh, Tiny Archibald. Me too. I mean, 11.4 assists per game and 34.0 points per game one season. And, I mean, he was a Hall of Famer, six-time All-Star, 72-73 uh, 70, I mean, scoring champ, 72-73 assist champ, an 81 NBA champ, a five-time All-NBA, and an All-Star Game MVP in 80-81. Yeah, really a fantastic career for uh, Tiny Archibald uh, of uh, Nate Archibald. The, the Bronx, New York. Uh, yeah, I mean, made his way to uh, Texas El Paso after a bit of a, a complicated path uh, to get to playing college ball, but uh, ultimately did so. And, uh, man, he really made an impact as an NBA player afterwards. Uh, you know, had that one season that really stands out when you look at his uh, at his career uh, with these Kings, uh, Kansas City Omaha Kings in 72-73, uh, where he led the league in minutes played, averaging 46 minutes per game, and as you mentioned, averaged 34 points to lead the league. 
and 11.4 assists in the same season. And Ridiculous. He led, and he led the league in minutes played. I just said that, but yeah. Oh, I mean, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, absolutely ridiculous uh, for, for uh, to lead the league in those two categories, and I believe it's only been done one other time. Um, excuse right me. No, it's only been done. No, it hasn't been done at all, actually. It, it was uh, apparently once credited to uh, Oscar Robertson, but uh, it was, those were not based on per-game averages. Those were based on, like, raw totals. So apparently the only player ever to lead the league in both these categories and uh, what an unlikely guy to do it from a physical standpoint. I mean, six foot one, listed at 150 pounds, so a tiny guy. Probably might have got the name. And uh, yeah, but but I mean, just incredibly impactful. I mean, anything else jump out at you about uh, about Tiny Archibald? I mean, I know this guy obviously before our time, but uh, you know, that made a real mark. I mean, not really. He, I mean, he averaged 18.8 points per game for his career. I mean, it's 75 11 or something. Yeah. And that's just re remarkable uh, accomplishments for uh, for Tiny Archibald uh, through the years. And um, has his number retired? Has his number retired? We, we'll get into some of the number retirements uh, uh, shortly. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, in incredible career from uh, Tiny Archibald. Let's talk about some other guys who who we uh, considered here. Yeah, let's go to Sam Lacey. Let's talk about Sam Lacey. When you, you know, when you look at the uh, career leaderboards for this franchise, uh, Sam Lacey shows up all over. Yeah, I mean, a one-time All-Star, but um, could def definitely played there for a while. I mean, 12 seasons. Kansas City Omaha Kings, Kansas City Kings, and Cincinnati Royals, I think. Yeah. I mean, and he, um, he had 10.3 points per game for his career, 9.7 rebounds. But at his peak, he was at um, 13.4 rebounds and 14.2 um, points. Yeah, definitely a guy who was capable of scoring and rebounding at a, a center by trade, uh, 6'10", 235, known as a slamming Sam, probably because uh, probably because he could slam it. Throwing down. Yeah, like for a dunk. Uh, drafted uh, number five overall in the uh, 1970 draft, and as you mentioned, they went on to play 888 games for this franchise, uh, the all-time leader. And for his whole career, 1,002. Yeah, right. So I play, played a little bit with the, uh, with the Cavaliers and uh, Nets as well. Yeah, I mean you got you got to like that kind of uh, that kind of style. Like the style is like two over. Yeah, right. Exactly. You just don't want to go over by uh, too much. Just uh, <laughs> just by a little bit. And uh, yeah, Sam Lacey, as I mentioned, uh, you know, a, a guy who uh, is featured in the in the all time leaderboards for uh, for this team all over the place. I mean, really, uh, an, an incredibly. Uh, uh, Long tenure with the team, and, uh, and and a guy who actually shows up on a bunch of uh, historical leaderboards as well. If you just zoom out and look at the league as a whole, forty eighth all time in rebounds. That's uh, pretty wild. Tenth all time in defensive blocks plus minus. Eighth, eighth, eighth all time in defensive rating. I mean, so That's Sam Lacey. Good. Yeah, I mean, really, with a, a major contribution. Not anyone I'd, I'd ever heard of in Hall of Fame discussion, and probably doesn't deserve that, but. Uh, really not a guy I knew much about prior to uh, doing the research for this episode. So uh, glad we had a chance to uh, get to know a little bit about I mean, Sam lead Lacey. seven games. Exactly. All-time franchise, franchise leader in, uh, in in games and, and all-time leader in rebounds. I mean, like, he's definitely on uh, and atop even some of the uh, all-time lists for this franchise. Yeah. So uh, pretty impressive stuff from uh, from Sam Lacey. I, I definitely thought about including him on one of my squads. But, you know, they're, 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 this team is loaded with Hall of Famers, so. Uh, tough to find a place for uh, the likes of Sam Lacey. Let's talk about Bobby Wanzer, another Hall of Famer who played for the Kings. 
franchise. Yeah, I mean, really third all-time in win shares for them. And um, 12.2 points per game for his career. And, I mean, played there his whole career in, on, in Rochester. Yeah, he did. And uh, that was from 1948, so right at the dawn of uh, professional hoops uh, to 1957. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, really, really solid player. One of these guys who, uh, you know, you don't really see this anymore, but uh, had a whole NBA life and career in uh, upstate New York. I mean, you know, I mean, played with the Rochester Royals. Where's Rochester? The dawn of this team. Uh, it's a great question. I mean, it's uh, up in uh, up in upstate New York. It's kind of between uh, Syracuse and uh, Buffalo. Oh. And uh, you're right. It's like whoever thinks of that area as being like having anything to do with the NBA now. But, you know, back in the day, you had the Buffalo Braves right there in, uh, in upstate New York at the Syracuse Nationals just down the road and you had the uh, Rochester Royals. So upstate New York was once a hotbed for, uh, for, you know, college, for NBA basketball, excuse me. Uh, college basketball obviously is still proliferated there. And this guy lived to 94. So he lived to 94 and, and uh, notably uh, went on to, uh, to coach uh, right in the same town or right in the same area that he, uh, that he played professionally in, playing ball in, in Rochester and then going on to be a coach for a long time at uh, St. John Fisher College in uh, Pittsburgh, New York, which is where he lived and ultimately passed away. Interestingly, uh, Bobby Wanzer wore uh, number 09 for a, uh, wow. for a period of time during his career. Yeah, it definitely stands out when you're looking at, uh, at his basketball reference page or at uh, old pictures of uh, Bobby Wanzer. Now, I'm curious what the, uh, what, what the reasoning is there. I remember the uh, old Benito Santiago. Uh, yeah, the logic. baseball guy who, like, the catcher who wanted to make sure the nine was showing, so he put a zero in front of it. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm curious whether uh, that was the same kind of uh, logic for Bobby Wanzer. But, like, but everybody can see. Yeah, right. Maybe he just had, like, super long hair that he, like, parted on one side. It doesn't look like <laughs> in the picture, but maybe he cut it and then changed it to nine. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we'll have to dig into that uh, into that further. But uh, r- really good career from uh, Bobby Wanzer. But with some of these early guys, I mean, it's, it's hard to tell exactly what their impact was. I mean, you know, because, again, he entered the league at 27 because the league started then, right? So, I mean, like, it's not like he could have done more earlier in his career and only started racking up the stats then. But, I mean, you can tell from uh, the way he's revered among, uh, you know, basketball historians and such that he was uh, he was a big-time player back in the day. For sure. All right, so uh, let's uh, let, let's keep talking here about uh, about some other guys we considered. Uh, did you think too much about uh, Wayne Embry? Um, No. But, uh, yeah, he was um, solid. I honestly didn't look too much at this guy, but he's a five-time All-Star. So I'm kind of impressed by his page here. I mean, averaging 19.8 points per game at his highest, and down 12.5 points per game for his career, 14.1 with the um, Cincinnati Kings. Yeah, uh, played played over six hundred games with Cincinnati the uh, with, with the Cincinnati Royals. Uh, yeah, and, and eight hundred and thirty one regular season games in his uh, NBA career. Really, I mean, a solid player, as you like to say, after having been drafted twenty uh, second overall in the uh, nineteen fifty eight NBA draft. And uh, guys in the Hall of Fame. I mean, uh, and it, yeah, it's, as I mean, a player. No, as a, as a contributor, he's a Hall of Fame because of his work as uh, as a front office uh, guy. I mean, he's the, the first uh, African American uh, GM in the NBA, so really a, a trailblazer and a guy who uh, had an extensive run as uh, as an executive in, uh, in in the league. I mean, having been uh, having one executive of the year uh, twice in '92 uh, and '98, and uh, having been a part of uh, the Raptors uh, front office uh, up until now. I mean, so actually a part of that 2019 title team for uh, for them. So so probably has um, a ring. Uh, absolutely has has a ring. Uh, you know, through through his work there, but uh, yeah, really. Uh, 
a, a phenomenal career uh, off the court in addition to his uh, terrific on the court work. I mean, averaging, uh, you know, 12 and a half points and uh, nine uh, over nine rebounds per game. That's center. Yeah, I mean, that's a terrific uh, a playing career. And he's, uh, you know, backed that up with uh, with a great career off the court. So very impressive stuff from uh, Wayne Embry, to be sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's uh, l- let's keep it moving here and talk about a uh, guy who really caught my eye in uh, doing research for this episode, uh, Adrian Smith. Now, this guy has a really interesting story. Yeah, I mean, he uh, one-time All-Star and All-Star Game MVP, but, I mean, to get that All-Star Game MVP, yeah, I mean, he faced a lot of good players. Yeah, really, an, an incredible, uh, an incredible story. As I mentioned, I mean, really, a, a guy who uh, grew up extremely poor in uh, in Kentucky, uh, reportedly, uh, you know, didn't have enough money to buy a basketball, so uh, he played with uh, uh, rolled up socks instead of uh, in, instead of a ball, and uh, made his way all the way to the league. I mean, somehow uh, had, had to fight to get on his uh, on his high school team. Finally, did uh, was ultimately recruited by uh, by Kentucky. Uh, didn't I mean? Of course, you know the great, uh, great University of Kentucky basketball program. So I mean, was you know going through, uh, you know, being coached by uh, Adolph Rupp, the legendary coach there, and I uh, was part of a championship team in his uh, senior season there. Part of the Fiddlin' Five, uh, beating uh, Seattle University. You know the Fiddlin' Five. You're giving me a look. I know. Okay. Um. So yeah, the, the uh, won the uh, national title uh, again over, over Seattle University in uh, 1958. And uh, then got drafted, but uh, real late by the uh, by the Cincinnati Royals, and uh, went and uh, served in the 85th military. Eighty fifth overall. Yeah, right. Eighty fifth overall in the fifteenth round. So obviously not uh, not prioritized by uh, by the Royals. So he went and joined the army instead. And while serving overseas, he uh, he played basketball for the army. Was really good, and then uh, was uh, invited to uh, play on the U.S. Olympic team in uh, nineteen sixty. So wow. he wasn't in the NBA at that point, right? He's just a draftee. He didn't begin his NBA career until age 25. So he's on this uh, U.S. Olympic team in 1960 uh, in Rome. And on the team with him, they go 8-0, Oscar Robertson, Jerry Lucas, Jerry West. So playing with guys who would go on to the play, be in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. On that squad, before he even gets to the NBA. And as you mentioned, like played in the NBA too and uh, has this one just glorious season during his NBA career, which lasted 772 regular season games. So played quite a bit in the league, but has this one glorious season where he makes the all-star team. And in that all-star, uh, in that all-star game with 16 future hall of famers on the court, he's the MVP. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> it really is. I mean, like the, the likelihood of that occurring is, is, is uh, so low. And I mean, this guy just seemed to have uh just a, kind of a, a magic quality about it. I mean, to have those things happen, and then get this—we haven't even discussed this yet. Uh, that entire 1960 uh, gold uh, gold medal winning team, yeah, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Each player, so he is actually in the Hall of Fame as well. It just doesn't come up on his record, right? Because he's not in there as an individual. Which I mean, fair—he his career didn't deserve it as an individual, but somehow this guy who won MVP of the only All Star game he was ever in with 16 Hall of Famers is also in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, in some capacity. So, so everybody on those in that game was in the hall. Is it technically in the hall? Well, uh, all, I think there were a few people who were not in the Hall of Fame who uh, were also played in that All Star game. But like the U.S. Olympic team, every guy. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Everyone who was on that eight no nineteen sixty gold medal winning team is in the Hall of Fame. That's right, including 
our guy here, uh, Adrian Smith, who uh, just had has had an amazing career as uh, as an athlete. I mean, NCAA champion, right? In addition to this, right? I mean, like you know, found his way on, on a team that was uh, you know only played basically one year in college, uh, only played much for one year in college, and that was, that year they won the championship. So, but he also played for Army. Yeah, that's right. He played played for Army as well. So anyway, very very interesting uh, career for uh, Adrian Smith. Maybe uh, material to uh, you know feed a movie screenplay at some point. Yeah. Pretty pretty unusual. All right, so let's let's keep talking. I don't know if we can get a uh, I don't know where where we have to go after uh, discussing Adrian Smith. But uh, I can mention Bob Davies. I like like learning a little bit about this guy. Uh, you talk. Did you did you uh, look into Bob Davies at all? Another Hall of Famer from uh, from this franchise. I mean, not really, but um, I guess he was solid. Something I have, um, I want to mention. I feel like we haven't met, mentioned anybody from the current roster of the um, Sacramento Kings. Let's do that after we talk about Bob Davies. Okay. Um, he's a four-time All Star and assist champion as a big man. Or actually, what's that? He's 6'1", 175. Uh, assist champion, I mean, with five, four, five point four assists, which is kind of surprising. That was very early days. And, late. Um, Not a lot of shot making going on. Five time all BAA, MBA. Yeah. Slash MBA and um, 51 of each. Yeah, and uh, credited with uh, having uh, created the uh, behind the back dribble. A classic uh, misdirection move employed by uh, many ballers to this day, including yourself. Yeah. True. Uh, yeah, so uh, at a four-time All-Star, I mean, again, one of these guys who it, it's hard to really gauge the career stats because, I mean, you know, the league started when he was 29. So uh, you just have to take it on uh, on, on faith that uh, the observers of the day were uh, were on point, that this guy was, uh, was a wizard with the rock. I mean, uh, nicknamed uh, the Harrisburg Houdini because uh, he was so slick with uh, with his handles. Yeah. So, uh, you know, probably would have enjoyed watching him play if uh, if, if we had a video of Bob Davies balling out. We probably have some somewhere. Uh, I'll see if we have any in the basement. Uh, <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the uh, the current Kings. Let, let's talk a little bit about them. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, I mean, I feel like if we're talking about the Kings, I mean, we got to mention the current rosters. I mean, their team currently right now, I mean, not amazing. I mean... Think they're twelfth in the Western Conference, but um. Yeah, twenty-two and thirty-three as we uh, record this. I mean, they have some cool players: De'Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, and um, the rookie Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think there's a lot of optimism around uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, you know, twenty years old this year and making a major contribution for them. De'Aaron Fox obviously has continued to uh, ascend into uh, stardom, and I think Harrison Barnes has had a really promising season as well. I know Rashawn Holmes uh, has been a big part of what they've done this year, and he's They're uh, leading the team in wooden chairs. Yeah, and, and he, he's a free agent after the season, so it'll be interesting to see you know how much they're willing to commit to uh, bring him back if, if they are if uh, they are at all. And uh, you know Marvin Bagley is still kind of looming over this franchise, having been taken with the uh, number two overall pick, and he's not horrible. No, not horrible, but not really working out, and probably not a guy you want to give his uh, next contract to. So. Um, you know, excitingly on this team, uh, you know, DeLon Wright wearing number uh, 55. I mean, looking great doing so. And, of course, uh, you know, our guy, number 25, Chimizi Matu. Chimizi! Yeah, so th- th- there's pl- plenty of like, uh, and the Kings also have a terrific uh, uh, play-by-play guy in, uh, in Mark Jones. Uh, th- there's a good reason to uh, check out uh, the Kings game, uh, Kings if uh, you're, checking, you're uh, you know, hunting around on, on League Pass or something like that. Yeah. 
so let's uh, let's just talk a little bit about um, the history of the franchise uh, before yeah. we before we wrap this up. Uh, just talk a little bit about some of the peaks and valleys through through the years for these guys. I mean, beginning of their um, beginning of their franchise. I mean, good with the Rochester Royals. I mean, making playoff appearances like seven years straight or something. And I mean, they won a title and uh, coached by Les Harrison. And um, then as they got started. Les, before, before you move on, I mean, Les Harrison, uh, you know, known in the early days of the NBA as being like the guy who kept uh, the team in Rochester for as long as possible. And uh, really did every, is credited with having done everything for uh, for the franchise. I mean, including coach uh, during those seasons and having pulled together what was really, I mean, a fantastic team in the, in the early days. I mean, as you mentioned, they won the finals in uh, 51, but they were a really competitive team for that whole beginning stretch around uh, the start of uh, uh, the BAA and NBA. Yeah, and um, they uh, they had Arnie Risen on that first team. I know we haven't mentioned him, but um, – We mentioned him on the Ohio State episode, so you can uh, check that out. But, yeah. And um, he uh, – and then they um, moved into Bobby Windsor as their new coach, and um, he uh, he coached them for a bit. And then it was T. Marshall, and then and, it was well, C. Uh, Wolf. Bob, Bobby Wanzer, who we discussed in this episode, was the coach as they moved from uh, Rochester to uh, Cincinnati in the uh, 1957-58 season. Yeah, and um, they uh, they kind of dropped off as they went to Cincinnati, but made the playoffs a bunch more times. And then they were like the Kansas City Omaha Kings and stuff, as they were coached by a bunch of different coaches, including what I think is Bob Cousy. Yeah, Bob Cousy was the coach during the end of their time in uh, Cincinnati, and as they made the transition to uh, the Kansas City Omaha, where they, they were splitting games between those two cities for uh, three years. Yeah, and then um, in, uh, then they moved to Kansas City and stayed there for a while. And um, still weren't really doing anything. I mean, made playoffs a couple of times in the stretch, but didn't really do anything in the playoffs. Yeah, they had one season in 80-81 where they actually went to the uh, to the Western Conference Finals despite having a 40-42 uh, and 42 record during the regular season. So pretty surprising playoff run that year. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, really weren't able to get past that. I mean, Western Conference Finals is pretty good. But, yeah, then, then went to a, uh, a dry spell where they didn't make the playoffs for quite some time. Yeah, also um, at some point during all of this, uh, Bill Russell, I'm pretty sure, was their coach for one year. Yeah, um, in 87, 88. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, um, then they moved to Sacramento and made the playoffs the first year there and kept going, I guess, and into the 2000s where they were starting to make the playoffs. They made the playoffs a bunch of years in a row. Uh, went to the conference finals once, and then um, Reggie Theus came in as their coach and destroyed all that and um, all of that playoff run. And then Paul Westphal was their coach as the 2010s started. And then um, yeah, they've um, had quite a few coaches. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, now Luke Walton in the last two seasons, but really hasn't had that much success as a franchise since really the beginning. It's, it's really true. I mean, you know, they're not currently on a run of 14 straight seasons without making the playoffs, and they're looking like they're going to be banking a 15 this year. So that that's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, the, the most games they've won during that period of time, uh, if you look way back to 2007, 2008, they won 38 games under Reggie Theus. But it's been a pretty dry uh, period here. Excuse me, I, I, I misspoke. They had won 39 games under Dave Yeager in the 2018-2019 uh, season. But really, it's, it's been a, a major struggle 
I mean, if you look back at, uh, you know, their years under Rick Adelman, you know, the years we're, we've been talking about with uh, Chris Weber, Mike Baby, Pedro Stojakovic, uh, th that was their last run of, of, of success. And they, they were quite good during that period, uh, winning as many as 60 games, 61 games, excuse me, in uh, 2001, 2002, but being up well over 50 in a bunch of those seasons. Yeah, I mean, 73 seasons in their franchise. So they've been in the league a while. Been in the league a while and, and probably would like to uh, cash a few more uh, titles uh, at, at some point. It's been uh, been quite some time since the franchise. You never know. Maybe they'll, um, they'll pick up some good players. Yeah, well, uh, that might uh, come uh, at least be a step towards uh, ending their 70-year uh, uh, championship drought now. Yep. Uh, and they have not uh, not kind of done in, uh, in in Sacramento yet. So um, we, we will see uh, what the future holds for uh, for the Kings. Uh, certainly, you know, some hope with, uh, with with the young guys they have on the roster currently. You know, some, some reason to be optimistic about where they might go. Especially De'Aaron Fox. Absolutely. Especially De'Aaron Fox. All right. So uh, I think we can we can wrap it up here unless there's anybody else who, uh, who, who we need to get into. I mean, obviously, you know, we're talking about an entire franchise here. So there are a lot of players who uh, – who we missed and uh, you know didn't dig into, but hopefully, uh, well, you know, yeah. I mean, um, Mike Bibby. I mean, we really, really haven't talked about in any depth, and you know, certainly a, a very notable player from uh, from this franchise through the years. But uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys, and we'll uh, we'll continue to cut up the uh, NBA slash BAA uh, history in different ways. Yeah, we've talked about Reggie Theus as well, right, on our yeah. UNLV episode. But yeah, definitely a, a significant player for this franchise as a player, and uh, and then you know, guy who went on to coach them as well. Uh, if not for a particularly long amount of time. All right, so uh, we should probably wrap things up there. This has been a uh, lengthy episode. Uh, thanks so much for joining us in uh, our discussion of uh, the best players from the uh, Kings franchise. Peace. Yeah, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can do so at uh, barnardsonthenba at gmail.com by email or uh, on Twitter at barnardsonnba. Bye. <laughs>